everybody, and welcome to Roll It, a movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Ty Lohr. How you doing, Ty? What's going on, man? Not much, man. We're it's we're recording late, and I'm tired. So if I sound if I sound uh, lethargic, that's the reason why. But otherwise, if, if other that, than that, if that isn't a teaser to listen to this entire podcast, then <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Hey, but, first things first. First things first. If you're new what's here, up? what's up? Welcome. Thanks for listening. We got other episodes. You can listen to those too. But. If you were like, hey, I, li- I listened last week, and you guys said there was going to be some sort of <laughs> giveaway, and you were, like, real confident about it, like, super confident about that there was going to be a giveaway, and then you were like, we didn't see it, you're not hallucinating. It's not It's not the algorithm. <laughs> Jeffrey, Jeffrey Zuckerberg isn't coming and taking your algorithm and, and playing with it. It is uh, our fault. We should probably do something about that. Yeah, we dropped the ball on that one. We did uh, drop the ball on that one. But you know what? That means that means we're actually going to drop a giveaway this week. If you're listening to this on a Monday, it'll be there sometime between Monday and Friday. Check in, yep. check often, roll podcast on uh, Instagram, Twitter, back to your regular programming. Just had to cut that in right from the beginning. Yeah, I'm glad you said want. that because, I, yeah, I was going to bring that up because, yeah, that was my – I totally forgot all about it. Or I thought about it, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is <laughs> – like too late you know i'm never going to give a raise to the social media manager i don't know how you feel on that one ryan but i think that they are just gonna get bare minimum i might even stop paying them all together i mean yeah i yeah i take anything at this point uh so yeah so hopefully like you said hopefully we'll get something out there this week and uh yeah we'd like to do a I think we mentioned last time. It, hopefully, we get a shirt out there. Yeah, uh, nice for sure. Roll up podcast shirt. Start twenty twenty three off looking fire, looking fresh. Looking, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. So anyway, Anyways. now they've got the housekeeping yeah. over with. Sorry, I wanted uh, to jump on that right away. You know, because no, like, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. All right. Yeah. So, uh, on to the main event this week. We are talking about the. 2002 film adaptation directed by Spike Jones, written by Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman, and starring Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage, Meryl Streep, and Chris Cooper. So, did, Ty, uh, did you stutter there at the beginning of that? <laughs> no, no, surprisingly, no. Uh, you got two do- a double dose of Nick Cage, which I mean, what really? What more could you ask for in a movie than a double <laughs> dose of Nick Cage? And if that ain't a Christmas I mean, gift. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Every movie should have a double dose of Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean, name a movie that wouldn't be as good without two Nicolas Cages. Casablanca, more Nicolas Cage would be better. Citizen Kane, more Nick Cage would be better. It's You know, it's just like you can never fail doing that. Um, so, this was your first time watching this film, Ty, correct? It was. And what <laughs> right, a wild think ride, dude. What a wild <laughs> ride. I loved it. Um I, I mean, I, every time we watch a Charlie Kaufman movie, I love it. Uh, yeah, this is the, uh, what's this? We did, this is the fourth Charlie Kaufman movie we've done? We did Synecdoche, we did I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and those are both his directorial and writing That was his newest one, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, right? The newest one yeah, that we've both, done. Correct. And then, uh, did we do, we did, we did Being John Malkovich, Yeah, we did. Right? Yeah, we yeah. did. So, yeah, that was, 
Well, that was another uh, Spike Jones collaboration. So this is the second Spike Jones Charlie Kaufman collaboration we've done, and the fourth Charlie Kaufman movie we've done. Crazy. But I mean, he just writes. I mean, his scripts are just so crazy, and there's so much talk about them that you know it makes sense that we're gonna you know we're touching on so many of them. Yeah, you know, if you're uh, if but, you're upset that we're just doing too many Charlie Kaufman movies, uh, sorry, he's so good. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, to be fair, I hate it. I'm thinking of editing things. Yeah, well, I did too, um, to be honest with you. I forgot about that one. <laughs> but, uh, when you said that one, I was like, was that really Charlie Kaufman? And I was just like, man. Yeah, that but movie sucks. it was. It was not a good uh, movie. Um, yeah, I hated that movie. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's, 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 it's similar to Synecdoche. Well, I talked about that in that episode, but I love Synecdoche. That's one of my favorite movies. That's a great movie. Um, And it is it is similar it's to Synecdoche. It's a big bummer of a movie, though. But... Synecdoche? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that movie's pretty depressing. I love how you asked it like with a question mark at the end. Uh, you mean Synecdoche, New <laughs> well, York? Or are, you talking, are we talking about the same movie? <laughs> I didn't know if you meant I'm thinking of anything because that movie's kind of depressing. I mean, too. that movie's pretty depressing, too. But that, that's like that's like a weird. I don't, dude, to be honest with you, I haven't thought of I'm thinking of anything since we recorded that podcast, what, two years ago? <laughs> that was two years ago. It that probably was. was. Wasn't it like it was? It, it was. was. It Christmas. came out in 2020. Yeah. yeah, it came out in 2020. I'm pretty sure. Hey, man, we've been uh, at this a bit. We have. Anyway, um, so yeah, I'm sorry I cut you off. Started talking about one on oh, the no. ramp, but keep going. Yeah, I mean, I I love. This is my first time watching the movie. I mean, dude, it was it was more, uh, it was more introspective than Inception. It was like. Uh, I don't know. I just loved it. It was great. Um, I loved everything about it. I, I even liked Nicolas Cage in it. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I don't really have... Nicolas I Cage heretic. I really don't have anything don't bad to say about it. Uh, I don't have anything really that I would change in the movie. I don't I don't have anything that I didn't like. I, I, I thought even like the Nick Cage, Nick Cage uh, was solid, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because at first... It takes you. It takes you like a second. You're like, wait. But I like how they set it up. The more I think about it, that like before you even meet Donald Kaufman, you already know how to tell the brothers apart. You know what I mean? Um, because she's talking about like his flannel look and whatever. Uh, well, yeah, and and Nick Cage just does such a good job. You like you don't even have, need to hear them. You don't even know. You could have it on mute, and you could tell which brother was which brother. Like just his acting. Like he's so good. Uh or even if if you close your eyes and all you do is listen, you could either have it on mute or just be hearing what's going on. And either way, you could tell which brother was which brother, even though they're both Nick Cage. And like his, like this movie is one that I would look at when people are like, uh, "Nick Cage, he's not he's not a good actor." It's like, no, nah. like he, I mean, he is putting on a performance here. He's so good here, dude. I I mean, I really like Nick Cage and Pig. Um, oh yeah, that was that's one of my favorite performances. I think I, I think yeah, movie. I think that's like that's like uh, that is Pig is the movie that um changed the way I viewed Nick Cage. Yeah, for sure, he's so good in that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I just like. But anyway, just like just, everything in this movie, yeah, I have nothing bad to say. I mean, like you, you, you kind of yeah. have like the when it's kind of like the novelty same actor playing the different roles, you know, kind of thing. I think they 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 did it really good to make it like to make you not even I, I feel like as somebody who 
has worked in like not worked in cinema or anything, but like worked with video stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's it's such a simple, easy trick, you know? But like the way to do it right isn't simple and easy and to like make it look not gimmicky is is mm-hmm. I think can be sometimes difficult. It's seamless here. I mean, it's just like yeah. you don't even think about it. And when you can't even think about it, that's like like when you're watching the movie, you're, those are two different people. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you can tell like this is done very well, both the acting and actually how they execute it. Yeah. Because yeah, you're right. Like a lot of times, but like if they do it, if it's done in like a TV show or even like a lesser movie, right? It just looks, it's you know way more apparent what the deal is, what's going on. Yeah, I mean even at the high level, stuff. they're yeah they're good at they're good at you know masking things and bringing it all together. But like it still gives that gimmicky look, though. You know what I mean? And I guess that's like uh, I did not feel like that here at all. No, you don't get that gimmicky feel at all. You feel it feels real, which like goes into play like how meta it is in terms of like the actual the screenplay for this movie was written by Charlie and you know quote Charlie and Donald Kaufman, even though obviously Donald doesn't exist. But you know he it's played in right from the start before they're even on the screen. You see Charlie and Donald Kaufman. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, just such an interesting way to play it. I mean, God, what an original script, dude! It's um, it's such a good script. And let's talk about that yeah. for a second. I mean, well, should we, I mean, I guess we should get into a summary of it all first. Yeah, let me do a summary. Um, yeah, I, I mean, real quick, I, <laughs> this movie's great. I'm. Uh, How many times have you seen it now? I've only seen it a couple times, okay. but it's been on the list to do for a while since the first time I saw it. I'm like, we got to do this eventually. It's been on, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, dude, it is a solid movie. Like, I'm glad you, I'm it, glad you threw this one in the ring because yeah, I don't think I would have ever chose a Nick Cage drama com, drama com. Yeah. I was kind of surprised you picked it. I was like, oh, you know, I'll throw it in there. Maybe he will. But, uh, I, I knew you're not happy I did. a huge Nick Cage fan, but I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you pulled the trigger. Cause yeah, this is such, I mean, there's just so much to discuss. It's such an interesting movie. It's so unique. You know, it's not like any other movie we've ever done or any other movie period. Really? Yeah, it's really not uh, like any other movie. Like nobody's... I was trying to think today. What can I, I mean, could you even think of something to compare it to? No, because nobody has the guts to do something like this. Uh, and I, I guess you could argue, like, especially after watching this, that Charlie Kaufman, <laughs> what an interesting guy. Because, like, you watch this, and I think th- it's very much how he is in real life is in this movie. Like, he's very self-conscious and, like, you know, feels like he's too narcissistic and caught up in his own head and and that's why all of his movies kind of deal with those same themes of like narcissism, solipsism, yeah. stuff like that and that we've talked about. Um uh and like you see the first I mean that's how the movie starts. He's like talking to himself mm-hmm. and he's you know, I'm I'm too I'm so fat and I'm I'm bald and you know, I, I should really learn how to play the oboe and speak speak Chinese. And that way I could be the screenwriter who <laughs> plays the oboe and speaks Chinese. And he's the first all day of the rest of my about, life. Like, yeah, exactly. About pretty much how he's such like he's he's so horrible and terrible and he's like beating up on himself. And I think that's how he is. He's very self-conscious in real life. But it's to be that self-conscious, but have the guts to do something like this. Yeah. <laughs> like 
it also plays into the fact that like of his own narcissism that he thinks he's he, able to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, he, he is did. and he can he pull did. it off. Yeah. So like, hey. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, is it narcissism if you can pull it off? I don't know. There's just um, confidence. Or is it just, yeah, pulling it? But yeah, it's, 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 it is very interesting because, I mean, this was 2002, which obviously you wrote Being John Malkovich, which is very much about uh, getting outside of your own self and getting in the mind of somebody else. But I mean, you wrote this in, well, this came out in 2002 and I mean, he's still dealing with the same themes and of, you know, personalities and getting out of your mind and trying to understand other people. And the last movie he made in 2020, you know? So it's funny. Uh, it, this it's, and this is maybe for a deeper dive later on, but it's funny to me because like, um, you know, I'm going to school to be a, a history teacher and I'm taking all these education classes and we talk a lot about, you know, adolescent development and stuff. And, and you talk about like identity in, in the, the crisis of like finding one's identity. And it's so much like an adolescent issue that I think it's downplayed a lot for like adults. And mm. Charlie Coffin's like the epitome of like what is going on in the back of everyone's head all the time. But like a lot of people are just really good at drowning it out, you know? And then it's like you watch yeah. this and you're like, oh, that's maybe why I do that. Or like, I actually think the same way because of the, you know what I mean? It like opens up a worm, like uh, a world of new possibilities or new ways of not possibilities, new ways of thinking about um, yourself, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. yeah, for sure. He puts on the screen or paper or whatever you want to call it. He puts on the paper. So Spike Jones or uh, I guess himself later on can put on the screen uh or Michelle Gondry, uh, can put on the screen to show like the, the messed up parts about our inner nature that either we don't, either we know too well, or we don't want to admit or whatever, like wherever they're at in our own heads. Like we all have these aspects of somewhere inside of us yeah. of these narcissistic or, uh, anxious, like, you know, and this anxiety that creeps into our lives or whatever, these aspects are in all of us. And he's like, he does such a good job of like personifying that into film and like showing that and making you feel it. Uh, at least to me, in my opinion, No, I totally I agree. Feel, I feel that. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, I can feel it too. Uh, I think I like, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of any other movies that was done like this. Cause like you said, I just think this, he's so different than any other screenwriter who would have to write a movie like this, <laughs> you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, so. and that's, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with, uh, like, Synecdoche yeah. of, I just can't think of another movie like that that exists besides, uh, I'm thinking of many things. But, like, that's more of a, I could see other people doing something like I'm thinking of ending things. But, like, Synecdoche. I'm thinking of ending things was almost like an art take at a Netflix buy-in. It, well, yeah, I think that's exactly what it yeah, was. It was yeah. like It was like, you know, Netflix wanted something from... The art, work, the art side of cinema, and they produced mm. it, but at the same time, it was just like fell flat, you know. Because yeah, just, I don't know. Yeah, that one. Think, thinking back on it, yeah, not a good, not a good movie. <laughs> Dude, not a good yeah, movie. but I mean, yeah, like we said, but like it seems like everything he makes is so unique. Uh, it's hard to see anybody else, but yeah, this is just like in another. It's a whole other ball game because. Yeah, to just to write yourself into your script, right. <laughs> almost do it twice. To write yourself into your script 
almost twice because he writes himself into his script in the yeah it's just like it kind of blows your mind to think how 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 gutsy and audacious this movie is to make yeah like wow um anyway anyways about the movie yeah what is the movie about now that we've yeah let me do a summary if i can make it make sense and we'll go from there so Screenwriter Charlie Kaufman is tasked to adapt the book *The Orphan Thief*. <clears throat> is ta- <laughs> God, I can't talk. This is this is the problem with me being tired. <laughs> All right, screenwriter Charlie Kaufman is tasked to adapt the book *The Orchid Thief* by Susan Orlean, a formless adaptation itself of her own New York New Yorker article. Kaufman struggles and struggles both with the script and with his life and anxieties. Meanwhile, his twin brother Donald breezes through a, thr- a straightforward thriller script according to Robert McKee's rules of screenwriting, much to Sh- Charles's bewilderment. Interspersed is Susan Orlean going to Florida for research for her book, meeting John LaRose, the titular orchid thief. But after John shows her the famed ghost orchid, it leaves her disappointed and despondent. In L.A., Charlie has a breakthrough writing himself into his own script. He decides he needs to meet Susan Orlean, so he flies to New York to do so. He can't muster the courage to speak to her, though, but attends a writing seminar by McKee, suggested by Donald, and is convinced by McKee that life does have conflict and meaning. He invites Donald to NYC to help him talk to Susan, and after Donald meets with her, they suspect something is wrong. And after finding her on LaRoche's porn site, they decide to follow her back to Florida and they find her and LaRoche are having an affair and Susan is doing drugs. Charles is caught spying on them, though, and Susan says they need to kill him after they find out who he is. They take him to the swamp where he and Donald are able to escape, but the morning after, Donald is shot and dies escaping in a car wreck. Charlie gets back to New York where he finishes his script and confesses his love for his friend Amelia. End of movie. So, uh, so the first thing. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, what do you want to talk about first? So, the first thing I, uh, I said to you right before we hit record, we were just kind of chatting. Ugh. Yeah, let me be honest, too. We were just kind of chatting and, uh, I was I was doing a little bit of research on the movie and I was like, oh my gosh, like The Orchid Thief, which is the book that Susan Orlean wrote. I was like, The Orchid Thief's a real book. And you blew my <laughs> mind because this whole movie up until I'd say the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes maybe. Right. Uh well, and various other parts. But the idea, the idea, most Donald. of the ideas from this are true. Like John LaRoche was a real person. Uh, the, right. The Orchid Thief. The Orchid Thief. I mean, is that was a real, real article, real book. It's a real. I'm yeah. looking at it right now. It published January 15th, 1995. It was in the January 23rd, 1995 New Yorker edition that has three yeah, gorillas exactly. playing cards sitting on skyscrapers um, <laughs> as the cover. Uh, like, classic issue. Classic issue. We'll be, well, we can share that photo. I got to I got to shout that. Don't, don't you worry. But um, like, it's just it's it's kind of crazy, dude. And it's the reason I looked it up just now. I was like, did John Laroche play himself? But no, John Laroche did not play himself <laughs> in adaptation. How wild would that have been, though? 
<laughs> Dude, that would have been wild. No, I think Chris Cooper does a pretty good job. He does job, a killer job, that, yeah. I mean, man, what a performance. I mean, he won the uh, he won the Academy Award for this, for Best Sporting Actor, and, I mean, definitely yeah, deserved. Yeah, for sure. Uh, because, boy, that, he... I mean, in a in a film with great performances, I mean, he definitely, you know, does not let anybody show him up. Uh, he's so good in this. Yeah. But keep going. Sorry. No. So I it, it just like that was an extra layer onto this because Chris Kaufman was actually tasked with writing an adaptation of the book, The Orchid Thief. Um, and this yeah. was his adaptation of that movie, which he boldly, with confidence, named Adaptation. And that's why it's just it's, so it's it's insane. <laughs> so dude. gutsy. He's a mad lad. It's yeah. <laughs> nobody like. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's just so gutsy. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, I admire it so much that he's he was able to. But he said, I mean, he's like, this is this is absurd. Like, I'm so narcissistic. I wrote myself into my own script. Yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, I just don't get. I don't get what they wanted him to write, you know, to adapt. How do you adapt a formless nonfiction book about orchids into a movie? Like what did they, what, what was the studio expecting? You know, it's, 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 it's kind of absurd to ask. I mean, I know, I guess when, when he meets with uh, Tilda Swinton at the beginning and she's like, Oh, we were kind of thinking maybe you could like have, you know, uh, Orlean and LaRoche fall in love or something like that. And like, sure, but it still would have been a fabrication. So like, I just don't, it's, it's, I see why he was having such a hard time because like, what do you expect? What did they expect him to do? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but I just, but what a leap. Like you would never in a million years think to just like write yourself into your script and give yourself a twin brother. Yeah. Uh, I mean, God, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Um, so yeah. Uh, geez, what should we talk about? Um, I feel like I wanted to say something else about that, about the adaptation part that we were talking about before, but, I can't remember now. I'm just kind of skimming through this New Yorker article right now. It's just kind of funny. Like John LaRoche is a tall, skinny guy or is tall is a tall guy. Skinny as a stick, pale eyed, slouch shouldered and sharply handsome. In spite of the fact that he's missing all front, all his front teeth. <laughs> he has the posture of an al dente spaghetti and, ner- <laughs> and the nervous intensity of someone who plays a lot of video games. This was written in 1995. But like, what a burn! The posture of some, but of Al Dante spaghetti. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think that you know, like, I guess my big question is, and if I could have a, if I could have a little glass of whiskey or a big glass of whiskey, whatever, with Charlie Kaufman, I would want to ask him, like, was how much of it was like. Were you kind of like this is boring, so I'm gonna make it interesting, and by making it interesting, I'm I'm gonna go through this process of me trying to make it interesting. Like, was that kind of true? Where he was just like, "How do I write about this? How do I write about this?" Until you know what I mean. Until he just kind of like yeah. found a groove, and he was like, "I can write about me not being able to write about this and doing an adaptation of how I wrote an adaptation." And uh, like, how do you come to that point? You know what I mean? Yeah, especially as a I guess you get. 
Uh, yeah, because he's a, he's probably the most one of the most uh, unique screenwriters ever. But uh, yeah, and probably because he just like in the movie, he he couldn't figure out anything else. He just like was stuck. He couldn't he couldn't reckon a story to go along with this formless novel. So he's like, well, uh, I guess I'll write myself in. But what's interesting, I did want to talk about this. He's so. Uh, another great performance. We got to talk about um, the Robert McKee character played by Brian Cox. Uh, great performance. And the little bit is he's in here, uh, especially that little bit with him and Charlie in the bar. Um, oh yeah. But um, yeah. So like, it's obviously it's funny because he's like a lot of the, a lot of the uh, screenwriting 10 commandments pretty much are, uh, he char uh Kaufman explicitly goes against in the move in this movie. Yeah. And he's like, and God help you if you use voiceover yeah. narration and you know, he's using voiceover narration. And it starts off with voiceover narration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like right before he says that. Yeah. Uh but he's it's it's interesting because obviously or it's funny or whatever you want to call it, because he says you know, he's he's convinced by McKee that, you know, life does have conflict. There is, I guess, if you want to call it excitement or whatever, because he's like nothing, you know, like he says at the beginning when he's talking to Tillis Swinton, he's all sweaty. He's like, uh, well, let me, let me pull that monologue up. See if I can find it. Cause it's, it's, it's good. I can't write those whole things down. Cause he talks so much. <laughs> he just keeps ranting. But here's the thing too, which is kind of crazy. You were, why are you looking for that? You know, you're talking mm-hmm. about this formless novel, but like the the formless novel, in a way, isn't it has it, it it's like the whole idea of an orchid too, you know, like an orchid's desire or orchid's desire. Or hold on, what am I trying to say? <laughs> what was it like to ha- to desire orchids is to have a desire that can never fully requited be fully requited right like to have like that is the storyline in itself right like to to be I, yeah after, i wanted to talk that's definitely one of the themes yeah like and it's almost just like this needing to write an adaptation on this book is almost like uh it's almost like charlie kaufman's orchid hunt in a way you know mm-hmm and I think because we talked about it at the beginning too, how many times kind of these same themes pop up throughout his movies, you know, being John Malkovich, like this, this battle with identity and this search to continuously try to improve yourself or, or try to like find out who you really are through this mess of what you think you are kind of things. Um, I think, you know, kind of also ties into what it is to what, or what John LaRoche told not Meryl Streep, but the woman Meryl Streep plays, uh, Susan Orlean, you know what I mean, about how he feels in his search for orchids. And uh, and it is kind of crazy, you know, like I wonder if Charlie Kaufman did start to research orchids to the extreme and find that his or his own orchid hunt is, is kind of what he puts on the screen, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and I, I think that's true. And, like, I, that ties in with what goes on at the end when he's talking to Donald when they're in the swamp. And, you know, he tells a story about the girl in high school. Yeah. Uh, of, you know, he's like, well, you know, that 
you said you 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 loved her, but you know she was just making fun of you. And he's like, yeah, that's that was her business, not mine. Yeah. I figure I realized a long time ago, you are what you love, not what loves you. And I think that's what that's the I guess the moral of this movie is you can't expect the things you love to, uh, I guess reward you or whatever. Like you need to find your, your fulfillment should come from your love for them. Not what they give you. You shouldn't expect anything of the things you love. Yeah. And because, you know, we see Susan was the opposite and she, she wanted the ghost orca to kind of like give her life changing meaning. And when she saw it, it was just a flower, you know, she expected too much of it and she didn't just, you know, gain her meaning from, loving something she like needed something to you know almost love her back and i think that's why and then you and if you do that then you kind of just descend into you know darkness and you know she obviously goes down the road of you know sex drugs and rock and roll uh but yeah i guess that i think donald's point is the uh driving force in the of the moral of the movie i guess is my point yeah, and I think too that's shown, you know, like it's it's just so funny how how many things mirror each other in this movie. This movie's the like the feeling that you get when Do you remember the old I think it's still there actually, the the movie theater in Erie, yeah. Uh you would go into the bathroom and the two mirrors like they they're facing each other. Or maybe it was Meadville. I can't remember. One of the movie theaters though around us. Definitely I movie theater. That. I was just in that bathroom at the Erie Movie Theater uh, this week, and I don't remember that. Ah, man, I swear it was one of those movie theaters. I, I think it was either there or Meadville. I feel like it was definitely at a movie theater, but it doesn't matter. Anyways, when a mirror is facing like another mirror, and you look into it, and it's just like you just—it's—it's it's eternity. Like it, it just feels like you're falling within. Right. That is what this movie. Watching this movie is like. Yeah. Uh, and you know, because like everything is a reflection of everything. Like, like, so LaRoche has a way to find a drug that makes Susan Orlean feel like she can fulfill her desires. Right. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, that he's like, life is about it's almost, you know what I mean? Like he, he doesn't use it because he almost knows that filling his desires is searching for the, fulfillment of his desires right i'm confused dude right i think i confused myself but no no i think no that makes sense sense. because that's why we're on the same page we're yeah okay i said that right okay i was trying i was thinking of that in my head like i was like wait does that make sense right because that's why he like he's searching his search for his desires is his desire that's why that's the simple way of saying there's all the rants about you know you know i've done with what was it? Fish. Done with fish. Decided I didn't want to deal with them anymore. Yeah. Uh, decided I. It's such an interesting part because he's like that. Told myself I never step another foot in the ocean when I said I was done with fish, and I haven't in whatever twelve years, fourteen years, whatever he says. It's like, and I love the ocean, and it's like so weird because like <laughs> just because you are done collecting fish doesn't mean you can't. But it's just like obviously that's the way his mind works, and he's like, nope, my you know, that's how he's search or fulfilling his desires is onto the next thing to collect and, uh, kind of obsess over and, you know, go from there. Yeah. And you see the problems with that lifestyle too. Um, but yeah, 
For sure. Um, so I, I found that quote I was talking about earlier about uh, like how the relationship to Robert McKee and like the rules of screenwriting and like how Kaufman's breaking some of those rules, but also comes to realize the rules are there for the reason for a reason. And like you need to, I think the realization at the end is like, it's good to have the rules to follow to know when to be able to break them, which is like the way with a lot of rules. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's that's the kind of rules with a lot of filmmaking, not just writing or whatever. Like the 180 degree rule, you don't you don't break the 180 degree rule, and it's there for a reason because it's disorienting. <laughs> right? Disorienting? Yes. Disorientate. Uh, disorienting. Yes. Disor- um, yeah, yeah. Disorienting. Disorienting. Um, but but when filmmakers do decide to do it on the very rare occurrences that they do. It's for, well, good filmmakers, unless they're really, you know, unless they're screwing up and do it when they don't realize. But, like, a skilled filmmaker will break it to make you disoriented, you know, and make you feel like something. And that's, I think, what Kaufman, he's like, you know, even when Kaufman, uh, Nicolas Cage's Kaufman, is in the car in the end, and he's, like, thinking about it. He's like, oh, I know how I'm going to end the script. Kaufman's thinking about how he's going to end the script in the car. And he's ready to go home and write it. And he's like, oh, that's voiceover. And then he's like, oh, screw it. I'll just, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's like he knows when to break the rules. And that's this whole movie is like he knows. But he at the end, he's come to realize that, like, the rules are there. Because he says, so hey, this is the quote I want. I had to look up. Um, so he's talking to Tilda Swinton at the restaurant. And she's like, oh, you know, I thought we could just, like, maybe Susan Orlean and Lotus could fall in love. And he says, okay, but I'm saying it's like, I don't want to cram in sex or guns or car chases, you know, or characters, you know, learning profound life lessons or growing or coming to like each other or overcoming obstacles to succeed in the end. You know, I mean, the book isn't like that and life's not like that. You know, it just isn't. And I feel very strongly about this. Um, it's, he comes to realize that life does, I think that's a very important part in that McKee part is like, he can still break all the rules he wants to. Because if you write a good script, then it's still a good script and it's still a good story. But he's come to realize, no, life does have things that happen. It's kind of like the, it reminds me of the old, like, well, Ernest Hemingway school of writing versus, uh, I guess, uh, the way a lot of writers write. Is you think a lot of writers write of, you know, they don't live life, they just are sitting behind a keyboard and writing about life. Uh, Whereas, like, Ernest Hemingway was very much the... You know, you got to live life to be able to write about life mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you go on adventures so you have something, you have the experience to base your writing on. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, he discovers at the end of this movie is like once he's lived life and gone out and like experienced, then he's able to recognize that, oh, yeah, life does have exciting things. Just like McKee says, there's always somebody starving. There's always war. There's always murder. There's always whatever going on in the world. And it might not be going on in your life right now, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's what's interesting to put on screen. Yep. You know? Uh, so, anyway. Do you, like, and it's it's interesting because, like, by, by even just saying that, by, like, writing that in, he kind of puts it on screen. You know what I mean? Because I feel like a lot of Kaufman's conflicts and wars and, and whatever you want to call it, they're all between the ears. You know the main the main character, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's it's kind of funny that 
he's he's almost just addressing like what he doesn't like about cinema i feel like um by doing that you know what i mean oh yeah and he's obviously it's it's funny it's just very funny how he's so dismissive of donald yeah and like uh you know he's like oh pretty much effectively he's just like oh he's just writing he's just doing the easy thing you know anybody could write an easy thriller script that doesn't have any thought put into it it's just so simple and so boring you know um any any dullard could do that and then he and then at the same time he's kind of like but wait like i'm depressed and you're not this is a right yeah yeah like i'm the smart one here i should be things should be going well for me but why are they going well for you uh but yeah it's just uh it's I lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> I think just about. I told you, Ty. I'm too tired. I'm too tired for this. <laughs> I, I we were just talking about kind of how he he calls out like the the things that he doesn't like. It, it's almost, but like again, it just goes back to that yeah. conflict within. The ever, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. Right, and and which is I like I like I. That's what he kind of deals with that, and ironically probably one of the most one of the most pretentious feeling movies ever in synecdoche new york uh it's very pretentious but you know he's like i think he's wrestling with that pretension pretension of like feeling like you're is it pretension pretentiousness yeah i think pretension is a word i don't know uh of of wrestling with that feeling you know being because at the end he at the end of that, he comes to realize of, you know, like other people's, other people's lives have value effectively. Other people aren't, you know, extras. They're the main characters in their, in their own story. And I think, you know, it's the same kind of deal with this. Like he's like in, in this, he kind of starts off like, I'm the, (laughs) I'm the not pinnacle, but like he looks at himself as, as both the genius and the failure. Um, but then he looks at Donald as just, just like a schmuck. But then at the end he realized like, no, Donald's just as like, is far more wise than I gave him credit for. And, you know, comes to just like he says, I don't want my characters learning profound life lessons. Uh, he comes to the realization that like other people have value that I didn't ascribe to them and have, you know, you know, uh, intelligence and, ideas and ideals that I didn't ascribe to them and stuff like that, yeah. you know, that I need, that I should recognize and that would benefit me to recognize. Agreed. Mm. Agreed. Very good. Well said, Ryan. Well said, sleepy Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so I got a question for you, Ty. Let's hear it. Um, in, in the movie, is Donald real? Or do you think it's just his, like his, the better half of him? Or is it just a, yeah, is it just a fabrication, oh. a separation in his own mind of himself? Oh. And at the end, when he's able to, like the argument would be when he's able to reconcile, that's when he, in the swamp, he's able to reconcile the two sides of him, the Donald side and the Charlie side, to kind of become a more full human being. Right. Once he comes to these realizations, um, 
or is he real? And get, because, like we said, Charlie Charlie Kaufman doesn't have a twin brother named Donald. Right. It's a it's a fabrication for the script. Um, but maybe in his but, head, that's like the that's like the easy. I don't want to say easy. That's like the um. What 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 I want to call it? That's like the. Uh, His, I don't want to say evil twin because that's not the right word. But you know what I mean, like his uh, alter ego, where it's just like alter ego, where it's just yeah. like oh, like you do this, and it would be fine, it would be good. You know what I mean? Like it's the easy way, you know, like not the easy mm-hmm. way. It's the, like that's the easy way way to success. Th- Don- there you go. All you have to do is do this. Like do what Donald's doing. Just follow Donald. You know what I mean? Like. Donald is the uh, Donald is the shoot. I just had it in my head. Now I can't think. Donald is the standard screenwriter side of him, mm-hmm. of like following the rules of screenwriting, following, uh, I guess, just the normal person side of him. He's he's just acts normal. He's you know socially <laughs> normal. Yeah. He's able to interact with people, and he follows the rules of screenwriting and just goes about his life, you know, and just kind of rolls with the punches. Sure. Whereas Charlie is the opposite, the neurotic, the, you know, the, uh, he's the one with anxiety. Um, you know, lets all this thing, all this stuff bother him has to be unique, has mm-hmm. to break the rules because if you, if you don't break the rules, then you're just like, you know, just, a another, another cog in the machine is just another, boring script you need to break the rules and i think at the end uh you know you could look at it even if even if he is real you could read the movie as a metaphor for him you know reconciling the two sides of him as the whole of the real charlie kaufman that says i can be unique and also incorporate uh you know these screenwriting practices because there's a reason these screenwriting practices exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, so I don't know. It's just a thought, but I don't know. It's something interesting, an interesting thing to think about is yeah. whether he's real or not. Well, and that's what yeah, I've, oh, I was go just going to say. That's what Coffin's so good at doing. You know what I mean? Is, is that mm-hmm. <laughs> like exactly that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to mention, uh, Ron Livingston here. He plays uh, Charlie's agent, and oh god, those scenes are so funny. <laughs> oh man, props to Ron Livingston doing a little uh, character work because um, he's only in this for, jeez, maybe, maybe like a minute and a half total screen time. <laughs> um, but man, he is funny on screen. So props to Ron Livingston. Um, I wish he was in more stuff. He's funny. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if he's even around now, but I mean, he was in office space in 99. This was 2002 and geez, I haven't seen him in much more stuff. Yeah. It looks like he's done a couple other movies that I probably, that I definitely haven't seen. Yeah. He's been in some. Did you just look him up? Yeah. Yeah. I know he's in some other stuff, but like, 
He never yeah, really he, was so he had that leading space. man look from office space. Yeah, you really but did he never think really like, oh he's gonna take off probably. Yeah, but he never really got that uh that jump into leading man status. Yeah. What a shame. Uh <laughs> dude, he was I I I was like kind of blanking on like I was like what where was he at in adaptation? Uh yeah, no, he was like the that was funny, dude. He calls him up and he's like, Dawson's <laughs> great. But like the entire time when Charlie Coffin's trying to like just like give him Yeah, and he's all distracted by all the women in yeah, the office. Yeah. yeah. That was the nicest way of saying it. I couldn't I couldn't uh, yeah, that. that's yeah, that's the PG thirteen. That is a very PG thirteen way of saying it. God, his delivery is so good. Oh, uh, and then he just turns back. He's like, Sorry. He's like, Maybe I could help. Yeah. Uh, or no, he didn't even apologize. Um, I think that was the thing. He never apologized. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, he yeah. just went into it. I already talked about Chris Cooper, but <laughs> when that this movie is so funny for being so, which I think I think a lot of Kaufman stuff has that. Um, like I think Snecticky is hilarious in a very morose way. Um, but uh, this is very funny just throughout. But when when uh, they catch him, like, spying on them and Chris Cooper's like, he's just fully naked. And he's like, oh, nice to meet you. He's like, hey, can I be in the movie? And he's yeah. like being so nice to yeah. him. <laughs> it cracks me up every time. It's so good. <laughs> Just fully naked Chris Cooper with no front teeth. Uh, he's like, like hey, yeah. can I be in your movie? Uh, just after he caught some dude spying on them. Uh, man. Uh, I'm looking. I'm just looking at all the funny stuff. Oh, oh of course. One of the best. <laughs> probably the one of the funniest parts of the movie is when all the stuff with Donald and Charlie is probably the best parts of the movie. Yeah. When Charlie and Donald are talking to each other. Oh, yeah. Because Donald is so sure. funny. And when he's like, so I think I figured out this uh, this action spot for my uh, for my script. So it's going to be like, it's going to be, I'm going to have a, uh, a chase and it's going to be like horse and machine. And it's going to be like technology versus horse. <laughs> And then little did he know that we'd have that exact thing uh, mere, what, 15 years later in John Wick 3, where John Wick is riding a horse fighting a dude on a motorcycle. <laughs> and that's all I could think of when I was watching John Wick 3 is like, it's like technology versus horse. <laughs> is, there oh, a movie, man. is there a movie so that has the idea? Um, yeah, is there a movie that has the idea of. Uh, like the serial killer that Charlie pitched to Donald. So, so I've never seen it, but that is like an insight. Like that is a joke about this, this movie slash that movie is it's the three. It's called the three with, uh, I think John Cusack. Um, and it came out. Whoops. Shoot. Hold on. Uh, I think it's called no no the three is the one is the three the name of the one that donald writes yeah identity is the one with john oh i was gonna say dang they really kept the same name and everything (laughs) yeah crazy (laughs) yeah but it's the same i believe it's the same thing as 
effectively the same thing. It pretty much, and that came out in 2003. So it's like, it kind of makes you wonder. <laughs> like, it came out a year later. They Somebody watched this and was like, hey, yeah, yeah that Donald Trump sounds like a pretty good yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, but yes, there is. Um, yeah, John Cusack, Ray Liotta, Amanda Peet. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to watch that and see just how closely it is. Uh, but um, what else do you want to talk about? Do you have anything else, Ty? I think that's mostly More it. Kind of- you know, like I, I, the big thing, obviously, throughout this entire movie is is the identity and like the balance between narcissism and confidence really i i think that's like the game that kaufman plays every time he comes out with a movie um you know you said it's gutsy but like at the end of like (laughs) dude it's crazy that he wrote an adaptation for a book named it adaptation and it was about him writing an adaptation for a book that really exists that's crazy, dude. That is insane. And it, and that's what like when he says he's like, I just wrote myself in this book into my screenplay. This is crazy. This is this is that's yeah. so narcissistic. Of me. And like I, I don't, I'm not trying and to like, like over. Is, I'm not yeah. trying to overplay how nuts that is. But like I was genuinely like, whenever we were talking and I was just kind of spitballing it, I was like, oh, that's a real book. And you were like, yeah, like everything, like most of it's up until you know whatever points real. I was like, oh my gosh. So Charlie Kaufman was actually tasked with making an adaptation of a book and called it like, can you imagine, can you imagine what they thought when they got the screenplay and the title was adaptation? <laughs> they were probably like, you gotta be freaking kidding me right now. And then they read it and they're like, what the hell is yeah. this? Uh, it, but like yeah. somebody was like, this is good. And then they let Charlie Kaufman do it with Spike Jones directing it. And it turned out to be insanely good. And it gets across. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing, right? Like when you're when you're doing that like little ballet with narcissism and and, and cynicism and because <laughs> I, I feel like there's a little of that in there too, right? And mm-hmm. confidence to also wrap in and still yeah, carry like the actual the actual theme of what you're supposed to be writing at ad- the adaptation on, and and like you get that story too about the orchids and everything like that. And you get like the main mm-hmm. things like like instead of like uh, playing out or acting or writing the ending for the movie, he just kept saying the ending of the book over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Like it's just like it's just mm-hmm. genius. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like borderline genius. And uh, I, I think it really I don't know. Ugh. Oh, yawning. Sorry, that was a massive yawn. I said I don't know, and I started yawning, and I just never stopped. But I really don't know. Like, I, I just think that's freaking awesome. Like, I, I think it's like the coolest. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it because I'm just like, so, no, it is. Ge- I mean, it's genius. It's genius. It's, it's, it's genius. Uh, and that's why I mean, like, you know, Char- that's why Charlie Kaufman. Per- I mean, and then it's like, all right, well, this guy can pretty much whatever. He's going to get he's going to be able to write whatever he wants for the rest of his life. You know what yeah. I mean? His scripts will get made into movies just because like he has such a unique voice yeah. and such a unique style and he kind of wrote wrote himself a blank check to do whatever he wants. Yeah. And you know, some of those have some of those have turned out well and some of those have turned out poorly. Um 
I don't know. I'd be interested to see, like, if when he does an- something else. I think he's coming out with something next year. But uh, I'm curious to see if, like, you know, whether he'll team up with, like, Spike Jones again or, you know, if he'll keep on directing his own stuff. Yeah. Because I think it, him and Spike Jones work well together because kind of Spike Jones brings levity to the depressing nature of what Charlie Kaufman puts on to the page. Um, and you see that both in, you know, being John Malkovich and this of they're kind of have depressing, you know, weird. They're very weird and odd and not depressing, but I don't know. Maybe melancholy is the best way to put it. Uh, but you know, Spike Jones is able to bring a kind of like levity and, uh, humor to it that, I don't know if Charlie Kaufman necessarily brings to his own directorial efforts. It's not lighthearted in the same way that this is, or, you know, even being John Malkovich is in, you know, certain parts. Um, I mean, Synecdoche is a depressing, like that's a darkly comedic movie. Very darkly comedic. Um, Extremely dark. But, uh, but I, but yeah, I, I just, I, I think it's interesting when he's paired up versus when he's directing his own stuff. Yeah. Of, well, you know, the st- of how his writing comes to life. And yeah. I'd be interested. I'm interested to see how that, you know, what happens with that in the future. Yeah. But, um, we already talked, well, yeah, we've talked all about, you know, so narcissistic, solipsistic, all that kind of stuff. Um, you mentioned that opening monologue, great opening monologue. Yeah. Uh, so good. I did. Yeah. (laughs) Just like everything. I mean, it's, it's so, what a, what a great way to start it. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I have. That, yeah, that's. I mean, that's all I have too. I I don't really have much more to much more to say or even think about on it. I I think it's like, it's so good that like I just don't know. I I yeah, I just I can't think of anything else to say on it. To be honest, it's something that you have yeah. to like watch because it's it makes complete sense. But I think trying to talk about it and dissect it kind of makes it sound more confusing than it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's like yeah, one of those probably movies. yeah. It's like trying. No, you it's watch like trying it. to. It's like trying to describe somebody who has no idea the, what the movie Inception's about. Trying to describe that to them. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's all. Uh, uh, what's El, what's Ellen Page's character in that? Or I guess Elliot Page's character in that is now. That, anyway, that's all they do. The whole movie is just describe what Inception's yeah, about. Because that, if you just watch true. the movie without without them describing what Inception's <laughs> about, you wouldn't know either. That uh, is true. I mean, that whole movie is exposition. <laughs> um, but, God, I swear, like an hour and a half of that movie is exposition. Um, that is a long movie, too. But if you're, <laughs> if you're on edge and you're just like, man, I want to watch a movie about Inception, don't watch Inception. Watch this. It's so much. It's so much more entertaining and and crazy. And you learn a little bit about orchids. And now you have to buy. Now you have to yeah. go out and buy a little plant. 
I, this is a better movie than Inception. I will say that. Yes. Or I like it better. Hands down. I think it's better. Hands and down. And I like Inception. It's fun. But yeah, this is uh, this is a masterpiece, I think. Yeah. No ifs, ands, um, or buts about it, baby. This movie rules. Nope. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess, do we know what we're doing in two weeks, Ty? No, we talked about, we had some options. We had some options. It'll be something that we didn't pick. Yeah, it was something we didn't pick this week, but we we at least have a, whatever, three, four, five, something like that in the... uh, in the barrel, in the chamber, whatever you want to call it, that we get, we uh, are gonna pick. But yeah, hopefully, like you mentioned at the beginning, hopefully we'll uh, on the old social medias we'll put up a, a get something for a giveaway this week. No, we uh, will. I'm not. We will. We're going to. We're going and, to. <laughs> okay, we will. We're going to. And how can people find us on those? Yeah, like I said at the beginning, you know, we're at Twitter and Instagram at Roll It Podcast. Um, you want to get a hold of us via the email, you can hit us up at rollpodcastgmail.com. Um, other than that, you know, do the do the stuff that you do for your favorite podcast out there. You know, jump on Apple Apple Podcasts, give us a review, even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts. That's that's the only place it really matters. Uh, but if you want to give us a review anywhere else, I'd be welcome. You know, uh, let us know, give us your feedback. That's that's like the most valuable thing out of this if you just really want to contribute don't feel like giving a review and you're not going to follow us on instagram or twitter um send us an email or follow us on instagram and twitter and send us a dm and let us know your feedback what can we do better what do you like what do you not like and we're always open to movie suggestions so uh whatever your favorite movie is if you want us to dive a little deeper onto that let us know did i miss anything ryan I don't think so. Uh, yeah, while you're at it, uh, mention this podcast to uh, someone you know likes podcasts yeah, or likes movies. Whatever. Either one. Because uh, that's how podcast best spread is word of mouth. So, yeah, do that, and uh, we'd appreciate it. Um, I guess until... COVID of entertainment, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> spread. Uh, I don't know. So, I yeah, know I guess... Uh, <laughs> I don't either, but it works. So, eh, we will, uh, yeah, on that note, we will see y'all in two weeks with something to be determined. Catch you on the flip side. Mm-hmm.